listening to K is for Kinky. And mm-hmm. today we're talking about something very near and dear to our personal dynamic because it's a gap that we like to kind of sit in and roll around in all the time. The age gap. <laughs> this is get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Get Pull off. up your pants, you, you whippersnappers. That is actually something that Miss Jen says every morning as she shakes her cane at people walking by our house. Um, this is a conversation Lies. actually about the age gap. Now, this is a literal. Well, generation gap. A generation gap, yeah. I mean, we have a 15-year age gap. We also have a two-generation gap. Um, and a in kink years, in kink generations, we probably have, depending on how you judge them, about a five to two kink generation age gap. Yeah. Whether you judge at this point, I've been in the scene about 14 years, and for you, about five. Yeah. So, with all of that being said, buckle up. Talk about all the gaps today. Every gap there is. <laughs> okay, only two. Only two. Don't get too excited. Episode. Get off my lawn. Hello, and welcome to the Case for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. Hi, Eden. Hi, Miss Jen. How are you? I'm doing fine i'm a little hungry you know and what I... we say about fine you know what it stands for right i don't know fucked up insecure neurotic and emotional you can't say fine when i ask how you're feeling i just want pizza i feel hungry okay <laughs> i feel hungry it's not an emotion That's it a is an emotion <laughs> it's it's out it's all encompassing for me so i'm very hungry but let's just do this oh man and get right. get pizza no we're not getting pizza Ah, <laughs> uh, well, hello, kinklings, and welcome to another episode of K is for Kinky. We're gonna talk about the generation shit, gap. Talk- oh yeah, we're talking. About <laughs> oh my gosh, gap. as she forgets and wanders <laughs> off into the street somewhere. Jeez, we're gonna talk about the generation well, gap, which and- we have on display here in our very own relationship. Well, wait, are we talking about generation gap in terms of like? age or are we talking about generation gap in terms of like new versus old school kinksters both it's intersectional it's an intersectional conversation that involves actual age and also like kink generations because honestly i'll be real the kink generations i i believe that generations restart or like form within a two to five year time span so if you've been here for five years the people that you've known in those five years They're your, they're your generation, basically. Um, it's really crazy how fast generations happen. So, like, that's my theory is that kink generations move faster because our community has such a big turnover. It's like dog years. It's like dog years, yeah. Um, so, and then, like, you know, in the outer vanilla world, generations can last anywhere from 20 to 50 years, depending on the historical circumstances. But we're going to go ahead and talk today about the generation gap um, with kinksters and how that's impacted um, the politics of kink and also the landscape that we're currently existing in and why there's so much argument um, surrounding things like protocols, honorifics, um, how, how to do things, who can go where. Like there's a lot going on in the scene that's worth talking about when it comes to generations. Um, and of course, this is a great opportunity for me to make fun of the fact that my dominant and I have a 15 year age gap, okay. which I cannot wait to exploit during this newest episode of K is for Kinky. Fantastic. I've been in the scene for five years and I have seen a lot of different groups come through. Um, I have had friends that I've known from the beginning. I have met people who were around for 10 years and then left over the course of the time that I've been here. Um, I've seen a lot of people come and go is basically what I'm saying. And I've also noticed that I have gotten to know about two or three different core groups of people. Um, so to me, I can distinctly see generations of kinksters coming through based on the friend groups that are formed. And I can see as well groups of people forming in different spaces. So different dungeons have a different hub of people, but, um, Easily, we've, we've, Ms. Jen and I have formed close relationships with different groups of people that have 
moved on as well. Um, it's very easy to be friends with people from all different kink generations if you actually consider the possibility that based on the year you came in or how long you've been around, you you might let's say that it's only let's say that every two years it's a new generation. I mean, it could even be that fast. You're meeting a lot of different people who are coming in at the same time with similar experiences. So let me be more clear because this is a very blurry thing that I'm saying. I came in pre-COVID. The group of people that I came in with sort of stuck together and hung around up until COVID hit. COVID was a major external event that impacted lots of communities. But what it did to the kink world was observably sever some people's ties with community. Some people drifted off and never came back. People who've been around for a long time used that opportunity to leave the scene. There are other people who came in during quarantine, the quarantine babies of kink, basically, you know, and their first year was virtual. And a lot of those people have come through and actually shown up in person. Some have not. Um, but I, I see a distinct difference between the people we met, I met before COVID and the people I've met after because the scene and the population completely changed. Um, and even this year, um, right near the end, I'm seeing newbies come in as well who are probably forming another generation. So There's this always is, newbies coming in. There always are newbies coming in, but the question of who stays around and who forms like clear friend groups that could form the basis of a new group of people. It's really interesting. It's hard to definitively say what marks a different generation of kinksters from another and what qualifies as a generation. Um, but my experience coming into the scene five years ago is dramatically different from my dominance experience coming into the scene about, what was it, 13 years or 14? Her, her experience was was very different and there's no doubt that my dominant is from a different generation of kinksters than i am there may be doubt that i'm from a different generation of kinksters from somebody who came in six years ago right there's kind of some blur but um there are other clearly defined generations um they just aren't really named and i don't really know if there's anybody who is like studying this on an academic level um but what's fascinating about this conversation is not so much the most recent generations, but it is actually talking about the gap between people who've been around for a long time. And long, I'm gonna qualify as 10 plus years. And how the scene has noticeably changed in 10 years. Well, I think some of the things that, that I tend to notice too is you'll have either newer people or, or even age-wise, you'll have younger people who come into the scene and you'll have camps of those people who are really looking for the older or more previous generations to learn from, uh, to take classes from, to form friendships with, um, because they, they know that there's wisdom there. Um, but there's other camps that see no value in that or view them as you know too old school um you know not with the times so to speak and so they kind of just dismiss anybody who either usually that comes down to an age thing right anybody who's over a certain age um which also typically what's the word overlaps with people that have also been in the scene longer not always of course but um but i think it's interesting to see like we see like tng groups right so it stands the for the gen next generation which is typically for for kingsters within the 18 to 35 year um age range and once you are over 35 if you want to stay in the group it means that you have a partner who is under 35, but beyond that, um, you know, it's nobody over 35 is a part of the group. Well, so here's something that's interesting. Yeah. Recently, the creators of TNG aged out. And it's, to my understanding, after what I've just heard. Well, which group? There's a million TNGs. One of the there. more recent ones, they okay. decided to change the age bracket, <laughs> um, which is funny. And first of all, ageism is really problematic. 
And creating a group, in my opinion, that only allows young people is no different from creating a group that only allows pretty people, except the qualifications are more obvious. Like, it's just a hard number. You either are or you aren't. But I think we see almost a farcical um, <laughs> comeuppance with this when the leaders have aged out of the group. Um, you know, and I, I wonder, are the leaders inspired to make uh, the next next generation or the old generation, like, T-O-G? Like, 36 to 50. Yeah, to, um, well, yeah, that, yeah the, middle, the middle age. And I don't know what to call that. Um, but it's, it's interesting that you've actually seen community organize themselves by age in a, an attempt to differentiate between generations. I think, you know, I, I understand. I understand it, right? I understand usually the reason behind it. One, people oftentimes feel more comfortable around other people who are similar in age to them, right? So there's the wanting to be surrounded by other people who will understand their, you know, cues and language and uh you know celebrity cartoon references those weren't the same thing but you know what i mean um and just feel more comfortable or want to be surrounded by people their own age now it doesn't mean that older people don't want to be surrounded by people their own age but we don't have those groups. Anyway. Maybe we um, should. Maybe, maybe there should be an older person group. <laughs> Honestly, that's a big complaint that I hear for older people. They, they feel really left out or like they have a hard time interacting with younger, like physically younger generations. And I think that's something that might be a need that should be met by somebody. But we don't have the energy or time. But somebody, if somebody's listening to this and you're like, I would love to make uh, a group for older kinksters who are, I don't know, above the age of 45. Like... I think that would be really rad. It could also be, it could be instead of TNG, it could just be TG, this generation. <laughs> oh, I like that. All right. We, anyway. We'll give that away for free. If you want that, you can take it. But off the top of my head, what we're talking about right now is, yes, ageism in the scene, or rather awareness of age and putting emphasis and importance on age. But what happens when you close yourself off from people based on their age is you're also going to miss out on things that might be of value and that's kind of what I want to point out next a lot of people who come into the scene for the first time are rather young but there's also a lot of people who are going to be first timers who are older they're they've been they've been through the ringer they've gone through life they're gonna they're in an interesting position where they're new so they're part of a new generation but they're also part of an older generation and I really find that fascinating and I wonder if that's challenging to be part of both, to be considered old, so to speak, because of your age, but brand new because you have never been here before. You know, in kink generations, that's why they don't really match with an age bracket and they don't really match up with like vanilla land, you know, um, generations. It's not the same, but a lot of older kinksters have been around longer. They are older, so they have more of an ability to have been around longer. They have more years to have put in. Um, so you do also see a section of people who are quote-unquote old guard. I hate using that word, and I'll tell you why in a second. But they're quote-unquote old guard, and also they're older. There's that generation as well. And then, of course, there's the opposite end of, you know, really young-looking people or young people who are brand new. And, you know, so, but it's not always visually apparent what generation someone belongs to in the kink, in the kink world. It's not always easy to tell. Um, I do now want to jump into old and new guard. Miss Jen, why don't you describe these terms or do you want me to? Well, I mean, essentially old guard just refers basically to the most recent last generation. So for example, if I say, or, or let's say, let's say somebody with much more experience than me. Right. So let's say like Mr. Cyan, for example, if she refers to old guard, that might be referring to people who came long before people that I refer to as old guard. Yeah, and right? Miss Jen's my old guard over here. I'm, I'm your old guard. Great. <laughs> Lol. Um, actually, Miss Jen could arguably be member a member of the old guard because of the her difference in experience being brought up is dramatic in comparison to mine. But my experience would also likely be dramatic in comparison to somebody coming in right now. 
and we are actively trying to uh, bridge the gap, and we'll talk about that too in a second. But the main point and takeaway of what Ms. Jen has just said is that old guard and new guard are completely subjective terms. There has been 10, 15, 20 old guards and 10, 15, or 20 new guards. I literally found this in a history book for BDSM. Old guard is any previous generation, essentially. And new guard is just who's coming up right now. And if we accept that a kink generation only spans two to five years, or even if you want to be, you know, crotchety about it, 10 years, that's still a lot of generations that would have elapsed. Um, And... Again, if you really want to judge it every 10 years, you will see dramatic change from 10-year marks to 10-year marks. First of all, the landscape is literally different. 10 years ago, there were probably five more dungeons open than there are today. And there are some dungeons open today that weren't open 10 years ago. Um, So the landscape looks different. The population is different. There are people who used to be heavy in the scene 10 years ago that I haven't seen you know, what is it called? Hide nor hair or hide nor tail or whatever. I haven't seen a lick of them. <laughs> I just used all the animal words. I haven't seen some people. There's somebody in Miss Jen's life who I won't name right now because I don't want my first time meeting her to be asking her permission to use her name in a podcast. But there's this person that Miss Jen really talks about a lot that I've never met because she left the state. Like, people move on from the scene. So 10 years ago, who... Well, I, I don't know that she left the scene. She just left yeah. the LA scene. But I'm saying, like, people move locations or they move on in their life after 10 years and they may or may not leave the scene behind. So we do really see huge changes in population um, with, with the kink scene. And I would argue, again, 10 years is too long. I think it's really more like five years that you can mark a generation. However, when people say old guard and new guard today... People are typically thinking of everybody right now as new guard coming in. So I might be considered new guard still to some people because I've been here for only five years. But I also might be aging out of this new guard category. I don't really know for sure um, because, again, it's not it's not a clear cut line. Um, And old guard is when I think old guard, my default goes to actually older people. So I think people tend to hear old guard and associate it with that double whammy of you've been here for a while and you are yourself older. Um, and by older, I'm thinking like this point, I guess, I don't know, like 45 and up. I don't know. I'm just throwing that in there. But so like most people would consider Mr. Cyan herself to be old guard. Most people would consider several people to be old guard. Um, old guard, though, is also a mindset. And that's what I want to oh, talk about. I was just about to say. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add that old guard is also a way of of thinking or being more seeped in traditional things Um, people will use that to describe being old guard or if somebody even if somebody was brand new coming up right now and they were young but they entrenched themselves into a lot of the you know older traditional ways of doing things Somebody might say, oh, like, you're new to the scene or newer, um, or you're really young, but you're very old guard, right? It almost becomes a a descriptor as well It can be an adjective. And I have to ask this for myself, or for everybody. I'm just going to admit that I asked this question. What is even the benefit of being new guard? I know that sounds weird that I'm asking that, but to me, our culture and our history in BDSM are so incredibly invaluable. And maybe that's because I'm speaking as a queer person whose history is pockmarked with loss. You know, but I'm just going to go ahead and quickly give a little mini lesson for those of you who haven't known about this yet. But the leather community heavily overlaps with the kink community. And the leather community also heavily overlaps and was derived from the queer male community. It goes back, I think, all the way to World War One. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. It might be World War Two, but I think it began in World War One. The leather community kind of erupted from that, and motorcycle clubs and things like that were the first places where leather culture um, thrived and and began. And a lot of the protocols and a lot of the ritual, um, and like the flagging, like like the, the flagging system with you know wearing handkerchiefs in your pockets and things like that, like that all came from that time period. We adopted that. Like the leather community expanded beyond queer men to involve and include everybody. Um, And it's this fascinating 
subculture that is I, I honestly want to know more about because it overlaps with the kink world as well. Um, obviously, it overlaps with the kink world. There's so many kinksters who do leather or who are into leather. Um, but the queer history by by that very line of succession is also kink history. Like that is part of our story. So the loss of the queer men who started leather culture is our loss. And the loss of of queer history and things that never got told or written down, that's our loss. Those are our people, you know? And I, I feel passionate about the fact that we cannot afford to sit idly by and let more of our culture and our community be lost because we fail to write it down or we stop practicing it. And that is the driving reason behind why we made the High Protocol Revival Project. We are focusing on High Protocol specifically um, as something in the kink community that has started to sort of fall by the wayside. Um, but you can focus on any aspect of our culture that you find important and try to preserve it by practicing it and by talking to people who know what, what that was. And that involves actually spending time with and talking to your elders. That involves interviewing people and learning from the experience of other people. Whether you like the mindset of old guard or not, there is nothing to lose from learning about what was and what came before you. And so to me, this like age phobia and this generation gap is a loss. This is a loss for the community. Um, and I don't see any reason why the word old guard should be one that is kind of bandied about almost as an insult sometimes. Um, you know, like, oh, you're old guard. You like misogyny and binary words and it's like that's kind of what i assume like the, the stereotype is like you Which must be true for some it might be true for all. some <laughs> you know i think and i think that's kind of the stigma the stigma with people who are older is that their generation was less progressive so the stigma for kink generations who are older or for the old guard is that they are inherently less progressive and incapable of adopting things like feminist thinking or adopting like inclusivity or non-binary language and non-binary thinking like I think that's the assumption but it doesn't have to be that way um and even if it was that way that doesn't mean that by listening and learning now we will somehow regress back to that thing we can take what worked and build something new and preserve what's important to preserve in our culture and we can also retain memory of things that weren't good like, maybe we will discover, wow, the scene was really misogynistic. Or, God forbid, we have to admit, the scene was born from a misogynist thinking or anti-feminist thinking. Like, that could be the case. There might be some things in our roots that are not nice to look at. But it doesn't mean that we should pretend that they, those things aren't there because if we have systemic problems in the scene, we got to look at our roots to be able to identify where did that come from and how can we change it. There's nothing to lose from learning about our history and everything to gain. And that is why this generation gap that we see in the scene, I feel, is unnecessary and harmful. And also born from ignorance and fear. Um, now, with that being said, it's not only the new guard who are avoiding the quote-unquote old guard. There are a lot of older people who are just like, I don't want anything to do with these newcomers like, I've seen that attitude, too, of, like, these youngins and the thing. I've seen the get-off-my-lawn attitude <laughs> from older kinksters. And I'm just like, okay, this we all have problems. Like, all of the generations, it seems, there's always some person in one of the generations who's got a serious you problem. You and your yeats and your simps, and yeah. I don't know what it means anymore. Yeah, I mean, that actually sounds like me. I say that kind of stuff a lot. <laughs> um, but... You know, it's it's kind of a, it's got to be a group effort. And I, I will say I found a lot of people who are totally agreeable to interacting with other generations in the scene. I, I see people working hard to close this gap. So it's not like this issue that's insurmountable. But I feel like we do need to be able to talk about it because I don't want to lose BDSM culture. And yes, BDSM is a culture. We do have like our own way of doing things and we can have traditions that are more widespread if we want to do that, if we want to preserve them. I think the leather community is well known for preserving a lot of their culture. Those guys are rocking it. The leather community is rocking it. I hashtag admire them. Oh, I feel embarrassed that I said that. 
That was a whoops. I have secondhand embarrassment for myself and firsthand embarrassment. I have many hands of embarrassment for me. For using hashtag. Yeah, that was a that was a whoops. It's the it's the number symbol. The pound sign. The pound sign. We're talking to many generations right now. Get your lingo right. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's interesting because I yeah I do know older folks who were like I don't want to you know these these kids don't respect the things they and, don't use honorifics yeah but back in my day they did right well and and realizing that the times have changed so it's not just the people but with the internet with the world wide web www. <laughs> That changed a lot because people who are definitely, you know, more old school, old guard, whatever you want to call it, previous generations who came before the Internet was like a thing, things were done differently. They just were. And with the introduction of the Internet, it is making me sound old that I'm talking about the introduction of the Internet. No, it's fine. I mean, you remember records, too. Like, it's all good. Oh, my God um didn't deny it no of course i remember records um but what was i gonna say shit did you forget damn it it's so hard when our memory starts to go you know what (laughs) oh man i'm just out of punching range right now (sighs) um a lot of things changed with the internet there were positives of course right being able to connect easier and all of that but also we lost a lot. We lost a lot of, you know, relying on interpersonal communication and learning and mentorship and experience that the Internet didn't take away. It's it's still something that can happen. But I think people rely on more online communications now and people can just post up whatever they want as opposed to before where, you know, you earned things um a little more i had so to check out an ad in the newspaper oh man so yeah so that was actually a thing though the people I used know. to find each other in newspapers that was a real way of finding prodoms and magazines or just kink parties and things yeah yeah so you know it's there's good and bad um i see i understand reasons why people like to create aged groups um I hope, my hope is that if you are heavily involved in like TNG type groups, that you are also involved in non-TNG type groups. Um, Because I think if you only surround yourself with other people who have either a similar age or experience level as you, you lessen your opportunity for growth and knowledge that can come from people outside of that. Yeah. Now, I, I wanted to talk about an interesting thing that I see. The most common way that I see people of different generations of kink is Echo eating something off the floor. Okay, I don't fucking remember what I was going to say now. Fucking Echo's eating a fucking bug over there. If we could ask you to do just one thing for us, just one, we would ask on bended knee, ring in the air, we would propose to you to join our Discord. Our Discord is a beautiful thing. It is fairly active. The people on there are friendly. We share lots of pictures of cats. It costs nothing to join. If you want to, you can become a patron and get access to certain aspects of the Discord. Different channels, yeah. But the the main Discord is just just cuz and you could be there. Why aren't you there? I'm there every day. Why aren't you there every day? <laughs> Why you aren't the listener. You there eating every day. I am there frequently. <laughs> So I don't need to be called out. I was just on there this morning. Uh-huh. Heckling. After how long? I had taken a two-day break. <laughs> That's it? It was only two days. Anyway, um, it's case, fun. It's you... fun. We have a fun group, and it's we have, like, fun banter and kitty cat pictures and You will stuff. meet Miss Jen in person, and you will see me. In person? I mean, on Discord? In, your pers- in person on Discord. <laughs> you'll see her, and uh, you'll see me, too. I am less frequently spotted, but not as rarely spotted as a Sasquatch. So I'm somewhere between <laughs> Miss Jen being there every day like the sun and mm. Sasquatch. I okay. think that's a good way of describing it. <laughs> the bottom line is 
Come join us on Discord. Join our it's Discord. fun. It's a fun little community. And K you is find for us. kinky. Oh shit! Yes. I jumped in. That's Do it what again. It is. K is for kinky. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay, back to the show. One of the most common ways that I see age gap um, kind of being eliminated between people is when people pair up in DS. So it's actually quite common to see an older D-type paired with a younger S-type. That type of pairing is frequent. Um, I think that kind of makes some sense because uh, in the same way that it makes sense that many people who are of older generations are themselves a bit older, it makes sense that a D-type who who actually is calling themselves a dominant might have learned that level of experience by living it. So it, you do see, I think, sometimes older D-types. That does not mean that everybody who is older should be a D-type or that age makes somebody a good D-type. I'm simply saying that it's not uncommon to see a little, a little bit of an older D-type paired with a younger person who is trying to seek somebody who has life experience and who can guide them. That's a common pairing. So in that way, it's weird, but our culture is transmitted from the older D-type to the younger S-type. That is a way of cultural transmission, even if it's not being done in the form of traditional mentorship. That is something occurring, but I don't think that culture should be only transmitted through romantic relationships. I mean, I think it needs to continue to pass down through things like mentorship, through things like community building organizations, something like a high protocol or something like the leather community where you can form connections and bonds with people um, in a, in a greater capacity. You know what I mean? I just hope that every generation, whether we're talking about experience or age can start to listen more um, to each other, because I think that even, you know, the next generation of kinksters, the next, next, next have information, knowledge, experiences that are also valuable and I think it's it's similar to how we talk about you know when you have a mentorship and that that relationship should be reciprocal where yes the mentor is maybe you know doing most of the passing down of wisdom and knowledge and guidance and all of that but hopefully they're also learning from their mentee and I see it as a similar kind of thing you know we can all learn from each other and you know I see it really manifested in our HPR project because that came from us, which is two different generations, both well, also in Mistress Cyan and, and Mistress Cyan. Who's so another three, generation. Three generations, um, both experience in the scene and, and regarding, you know, actual age generations. And, you know, our whole thing was, okay, let's preserve some of the quote unquote old guard ways that make sense, but also let's, change up some of those things to be more modern with how the world is now. And that's really, to me, a really great example of bridging that gap, you know, and that took coordination between people who are on different sides of that gap. So having all those voices heard is really important. Yeah. Um, now, I do want to kind of divert a little bit onto another part of this conversation, which I feel is the natural argument against what we're saying. I'm going to present the devil's advocate argument, which is, well, gee, the older generations really screwed things up. And a lot of the people that I have problems with are older generation people. And most of the people who have made me feel oppressed, overlooked, and just, I don't know, made me feel bad are older people. Um, so to be more specific, like, I know there are some people in the community who have been around for a long time who believe that because of their age and their standing as an older generation member, they should be listened to because they are a quote unquote elder. And I do advocate personally, by the way, that we should listen to our elders, even if you don't agree, just listening and learning is still valuable. But it is problematic when you have an elder who's kind of a jerk and that does happen and I want to just acknowledge anybody out there listening who is sitting there fuming going I do not trust my elders based on the fact that they're my elder I don't trust somebody based on what generation they're from because there's assholes in every generation to that I want to say you're right there are but not everybody hashtag truth yeah <laughs> not everybody is an asshole from that generation just some people and it's not like only assholes are left over at least 50% of the people 
who are still here from older generations have got to be giving out good advice and have got to be w worth listening to. And I'll tell you, even people I've met who are part of old, older generations who have said some things to me or so, said some things around me with an earshot of me that I have found to be not okay, I've still learned from those encounters. You know, so I, I, while I want to acknowledge that not everybody is good automatically and that this idea of honor your elders can't be universally applied safely because there are some people who should not be honored, um, you also shouldn't use that argument to disqualify everybody. So that's kind of my counter to that. If there's anybody having some resistance listening to this, um, you, you gotta you gotta be able to assess what people are saying and who they are based not on what they look like, what generation they're from, or how long they've been here, but based more so on how they're treating you and how they treat others. And this is part of actually vetting, um, which I think we'll just forever for the rest of time bring up vetting in every episode at this point. Um, but this is part of vetting and making judgments for yourself as a human. Um, and I, I tend to trust people more when I see that they have respect for their equals and even people who they perceive to be hierarchically lower than them. So for me, what this means is that if a D-type speaks very rudely or very egocentrically about themselves um, or speaks rudely about S-types and is egocentric about themselves, um, I get turned off really fast. Um, if, if somebody doesn't understand that they don't have a right to order everybody around, um, like that's a problem. Um, so I, it is upsetting when we see some certain traits that we've tried to get rid of in the community still being exhibited by older members. Um, but we also see newer members exhibiting these bad traits. You know, um, yes, there is a reason why we no longer have a hierarchy when it comes to like giving honorifics. Um, and that's a really important topic that I feel like we should open up a little bit on this episode. Um, but there's a reason why certain things have fallen out of practice. And the reason typically is not because young people or newer generations are lazy. It's usually because those things made younger generations feel excluded or very uncomfortable. Sometimes it is also because the information was no longer readily available and it got lost. Um, but that's one of those things where it's important for older generation people to know and understand why certain things aren't the way they were, if they even were that way. So like, here's the example that we'll bring up, honorifics. It's actually not true that honorifics were always hierarchically awarded um, and that you had to do certain things to get honorifics. It's true in some places that may have been done that way in some circles, but it was never universally practiced that way all over the world or even all over the United States or even all over a single state. The, the little pockets of community that practice BDSM all do it slightly differently. We're really like a patchwork quilt all across the U.S. And of course, an even larger patchwork quilt if you want to include the rest of the world. So there's no such thing as uniformity in BDSM practice. Even in our past, that was never done. But there is such a thing as people recalling in certain areas where they were brought up in the scene, things being done more often a certain way. So it is true, and it's not for us to argue with somebody who says they remember that, you know, years ago it was more commonplace to always use somebody's honorifics when addressing them. That is probably true, generally speaking, that it was more commonplace to hear honorifics being used. There may be, of course, right, outlying situations where that wasn't the case or times when that wasn't done. And, of course, there was a transition period where this fell out of use. And so people may remember it being used sometimes and not others, right? But I think it's pretty fair to say the feeling right now in 2022 in the scene is that unless you are in a personal dynamic with somebody and you have consented to using their honorific, you should not use it outside of that dynamic, so if you're meeting a stranger for the first time and they call themselves master so-and-so, you don't have to call them master. You can just call them so-and-so. That's kind of the, the feel, like the feeling of how people want to do BDSM nowadays. And there is a movement and a resistance coming from people specifically who are older guard who do not like that their honorifics aren't being used. And they see it as a negative thing that we're losing this part of our culture. But the thing is, how many predators are walking around in our community? 
some who are known and some who are not. How many assholes are walking in off the street and just calling themselves whatever they want and expect to be treated like they are above everyone else? It's, it's unchecked who can take these titles or these honorifics. And so it makes sense that people coming in who are seeing random strangers just call themselves literally goddess so-and-so, it makes sense that they might not feel comfortable calling them by this honorific because they don't acknowledge a hierarchy between themselves and that person. And also maybe they don't want to honor somebody with an honorific because they don't respect that person. That's kind of the feel behind what I would argue is the new guard approach to using honorifics. Or if they're new, they may not know the difference between somebody who has earned that title and somebody who has absolutely not. I also would argue the people who aren't new don't know the difference. Like, we have no way of holding people accountable. Like, you and I know people who've been around for a while who call themselves something, and I'm like, bro, that is not you, man. Like, I can't say that because that would be horrible to tell somebody how to identify. Well, that's what I'm saying is... If we, the more you're in the scene, the more you get to know people and you can distinguish sometimes between, oh, that's somebody who just, that's like newbie Joe Schmo who's calling himself Lord of all things versus, oh, this is a person who yeah. I've known as long as I've been in the scene and who I know has done a lot of good. And they also use the same Lord of all things, honorific, and with them, I feel comfortable using it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is what's interesting, though, is, like, that was the one side I just presented, and I completely understand it and agree with it to an extent. But on the other side, if you look at honorifics, at the way they're being used now, honorifics have been reclaimed by the newer generation as an identifier. No different from our gender pronouns, no different from our names, we are allowed and are asking to be allowed to apply whatever honorific we want to our title or to our name because we want to be able to, to make ourselves in the image that we want to be, right? That is the ultimate feeling and the movement behind being able to pick your honorific the day you walk in and not being held accountable for that honorific. If that is truly the argument, truly the feeling, and truly the case behind the new guard wanting to be able to pick honorifics at whim, then we need to treat honorifics no different from any other identifier. We should be treating honorifics like pronouns. So if that is the logic, you should always use somebody's honorific with them when they tell you what it is. Because it would be similar to refusing to use somebody's pronouns or refusing to use somebody's chosen identifiers or their new name simply because you decide that you don't think they deserve it. It either is a personal choice to go by it and is tantamount to anything else that you would assign to yourself and therefore should be, therefore should be respected as part of your personal identity by all, or it is not something that you should choose for yourself. It is something that you should earn. You know, And I, I'm sure that there's an argument that could be made against what I'm saying, but to me there is a kind of a, a snapping of logic or a wiggling of logic here. People want to be able to identify themselves how they want, and they also don't want to be made uncomfortable by what other people want. That's really what it is. I want what I want for myself, but I don't want to have to participate in feeding somebody else's ego based on what they want. So I'm only going to acknowledge honorifics when it suits me. Like, it's kind of confusing. It's like, why even attach honorifics to a person or introduce yourself with an honorific if the community standard is to never acknowledge it? Should we do away with honorifics? Should they only exist in one-on-one in -on -one dynamics or in personal dynamics? Or should we, I don't know how we would even do this, but should we reintroduce awarding honorifics based on skill set and based on demonstrated like time spent in the scene? Like, Should it be more regulated? I'm obviously hypothetically proposing this because there's no way to regulate that. We have to change the thought process behind using an honorific as equaling respecting them as somebody above you and just respecting them as a person. That's my belief. That's why I like to use honorifics with everybody. It does not mean that I think everybody deserves their honorific or has earned it. It means I respect your right to identify yourself. And that's how I conduct myself in the scene because I think now we're dealing with identifiers. I'm going to devil's advocate a bit. Yes, please do because I'm – I'm over here in this tunnel of, like, certainty, but I know there's got to be more, and I'm just, you <laughs> well, know, off on a tangent like now. Like, you're, you're conflating 
you know, pronouns and identifiers with honorifics. And to me, I'm kind of looking at this going, okay, pronouns and, you know, orientations, these identifiers are how you identify throughout your life. They are who you are. And I think that an honorific, like Lord Boo Boo Pants is not going to introduce himself at their cousin's wedding as Lord Boo Boo Pants. <laughs> Counterpoint, could Lord Boo Boo Pants actually be accepted by the vanilla culture as Lord Boo Boo Pants has to be in the closet? All kinksters are closeted, essentially. Well, I mean, I just, for many kinksters, it is a, it's the reason why people come up with scene names, which includes their honorific, typically. It's not their whole life. It is a part of their life that they step into in a way that they don't step into their vanilla life. And so, I mean, we're, we're, there are kinksters like us who are a little different, who are very out. You call me Miss Jen, no matter where we are or who we're with. That is a very different case. I think for most people, they have this different persona when they're in the community. It's a big reason why people choose scene names. And I think that it's, I'm trying to think of an equivalent of, of that would explain kind of what I'm trying to say here. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like honorifics in the scene are different than like orientation, pronouns, gender identity, that kind of thing. I, I think that they are in a different category and I, as you already know, don't agree with calling everyone by their honorific. I reserve that for people that I either have respect for and use their honorific all the time or in certain settings where I will use everyone's honorific, such as high protocol. So we're, we're on different ends of the stick. Well, so here's my thing, because I really like the point you brought up, and I think it's the most strong and valid point against what I've said, which is that it's true. Like queerness and your gender orientation, those are not choices. Those are not costumes that you put on. That is who you are at your core and you carry it through every facet of your life. And I definitely understand that there is a whole discourse going on right now about whether or not kinksters are sort of automatically queer or if the kink experience truly mirrors queer experience or if it's even the same level of gravity for some people That's they might topic. argue what it's 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 a different topic but when we come into this idea of actually we're on a different topic right now well, about honorifics well what i i know but well, it just organically <laughs> happened but when we talk about honorifics and what your argument that you just made the, the flaw in that argument is that you are saying essentially that our names that we choose in kink and the honorifics attached are less sacred to us and less integral to who we are than our sexualities and our gender orientations. And yet I know you as well as many myself included see my kinkiness as an, an integral part of who I am. Well, yeah, I was going to say um, before you came back with that is that, I understand as somebody who walks around in life as somebody who is a dominant, it's not a jacket that I put on. Just seeing implements everywhere you go. Well, that too. But, (laughs) but like, I don't, I don't put on, like, I'm not just topping, right? Like there's nothing wrong with that, but like, I'm not just playing and therefore, you know, put on that top jacket when it's time to play or even put on that dominant jacket certain days of the week or only when I go to the club, it is a part of who I am. Um, and it is a part of my identity, but if I had the name goddess Fufu, that is something that I can use as part of my persona in the community to separate that piece and not necessarily take away from the fact that my dominance or somebody's submission or submissiveness or whatever I wouldn't put it together with things like somebody transitioning and changing their name. I think that that is then their identity. It's who they are. It is their name. Whereas they're not necessarily going to go by goddess Fufu right. everywhere. I agree that it it w- it is a mistake 
to compare identically as if they're exactly equal something as big as your pronouns or your sexual orientation with how you identify in the kink scene. I simply mean to say that if we're going to assume that honorifics should be judged and given out as if they are identifiers, logically speaking, we should treat them like any other identifier. Whether or not they are the most important identifier or as close to the heart of who we are as our queerness or our gender identity, they are still some sort of personal marker that we are choosing to represent, in my opinion, for many of us, what is a sacred part of who we are that we can't share outside of dungeon spaces, that we can't share outside of our community. So I don't fully accept the argument that, oh, this is less important than queerness and gender orientation, therefore it shouldn't be treated this way. I think that for some people it's just as important, depending on the person. For some people, their identity as a master is everything about who they are. They pour their life and all of their morals and all of the way that they do and all the ways that they think into being a master. Well, that's great. But do does their S-type call them master in front of their young children? They might not because it's not socially appropriate. But now we're talking about a different concept of when can we... I'm just saying we... how you identify is separate from what you are called. But I'm also pointing out that back when being queer was not socially acceptable, which was literally 10 years ago... There are some people who were queer and it was integral and they didn't tell people. They didn't tell those kids. There are teachers who couldn't tell kids they worked with that they were queer because just by being gay, they would be kicked out of their jobs. Kinkiness is different than queerness. It's a different issue and it's steeped more heavily in sex specifically, not just in who we're attracted to, but in sex. And like people cannot divorce the concept of sex from kink. But the same could be said of how people viewed queerness. I mean, you can, but most people don't. Right. <laughs> Kinkiness, kinky, kink, the kink world is being treated as if we are a form of queer. So to use the argument, oh, well, we don't use our names and our personas everywhere out in the vanilla world isn't a valid way of discrediting that honorifics can be just as personal and just as important as a pronoun or as, you know, as, as your name for some people. Uh, but not for others. And I think that's where your argument also holds a lot of water is that some people really are just in a persona. This really is a costume. It's just a costume. Um, it's just for the night, you know, and I see that too. Honorifics are a fascinating subject because uh, no matter what I've said here about like what I think I, and how I practice with honorifics, again, I treat honorifics like identifiers and I always will and I prefer to just use them because, out of respect for other humans, Right. Miss Jen's on the other side of, I'm not using your honorific unless I respect you, right? And the cool part about that is or that... we're in high protocol. Yes. The cool <laughs> part about that, and I say cool, but it's kind of like double-edged sword, is that if that's how you conduct yourself, you can subtly deal insults to people you don't like by refusing to use their honorifics. Unfortunately, you'll also accidentally deal insults to people who you don't care much about because they'll wonder why you're not using yeah, them. they don't. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Well, now they do. Now they know. But I'm saying, like, there's lots of things, and this is why it's kind of a weird subject. There are people in the community, usually old guard, who maintain that these honorifics have value and meaning and that they have to be earned, even though how to earn them has never been explicitly stated by anyone. How many times must you throw a flogger and hit the target before you are a master? How many times do you have to... How many 10, times? hours of throwing a flogger. Get closer to your mic. I'm um, you know, there's, there's no, at, le at least to my knowledge, I've never heard of a standard of actually judging when someone earns these titles or these honorifics, right? Um, and this is why it's a fascinating topic. The reality is there is no right answer, but it's one of those divisive things that the old guard and the new guard fight about a lot is the use of honorifics. And I find that to be an interesting way of examining the generation gap. Um, I think there's arguments for and against all. Ultimately, final note on this honorific subject before we wrap this podcast. That's all about the generation cap. <laughs> well, first of all, the most important thing to preserve is personal choice and autonomy in the scene. I believe that. So even though I have just advocated, for instance, for treating honorifics like identifiers, that's my choice. But I would never regulate that for other people. In the same way that Miss Jen has her way of using honorifics where she doles them out based on whether or not she respects somebody. That's her way of doing things. She has a right 
to do it that way. It literally conflicts with the way I want to do things, and that's okay. Like, we can exist and understand each other and have space and respect each other. And for those of you out there, I have a friend particularly who never uses honorifics with anybody, not even their own D-type. It's okay if you're not comfortable. You never have to do something that you don't want to do. I, I know of a whole rhetoric out there about how you should never have to use honorifics unless you have consented to do it. And that is absolutely 100% true. Nobody can force you. And don't let people bully you. You should listen to discourse, but make up your own mind and understand that, weirdly enough, this tiny little issue about honorifics is kind of at the heartbeat of what people are feeling and thinking and talking about when they talk about old guard and new guard. Do we keep our traditions alive because that's just how the way it was? Do we change them because it's not working anymore? Are there certain things we liked that we can keep parts of? Or do we have to do hybrid. away with it all? What? Do we want a hybrid? Yeah. And like maybe there is a hybrid way of doing honorifics. Maybe there will one day be a group that decides we're going to open ourselves as a club and we're going to let people earn titles, which is basically the leather community, by the way. But maybe there will be opportunities to regulate something like this within small groups and pockets. Maybe honorifics will regain or for the first time ever have clear-cut meaning, right? Or maybe they won't. Maybe honorifics will continue to be kind of a, an amorphous blob where you do or don't use them based on your whim, and that's fine. I think it's okay, as long as you can be respectful of others, it's okay to have these conversations, to have strong opinions, and to just allow others to be in the space with you. It doesn't mean that you have to hate the old guard or hate the new guard. There is something to be said for both mindsets. Um, can we just all get along? Can we just all get along? But more so, <laughs> can we listen and learn? Like, again, you kind of just heard two different sides of the same conversation or a similar, different, different arguments for the same, the same thing. But we're in a loving relationship and have found a way to hybridize what we think about when we think about this with the High Protocol Revival Project. We're just an example of something that can happen when you work together. Um, you know, so whatever side you land on, whether you are a new guard, a new new guard, a new 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 guard, an old, old, old guard, an old guard, whatever the ones, however old you are or new you are, however actual age you have, like whatever age you are, you have a place in the scene. We have so much to learn from each other. Our mindsets and our histories, uh, the way we've been socialized and the things that our generations hold dear to heart, those things can all be shared and we can grow bigger and better instead of bickering and fighting. We can add more if we will bridge this generation gap and make something beautiful. Sounds good. I like it. You like that rap? Listen more, talk less. Well, then no one would talk. We'd just be sitting there in silence. I said less. Not, not at all. You said talk. I said listen more, talk less. It just sounds like That's you're talking. Learn. To, it sounds like you're telling me to do stuff. No, I'm saying generally speaking, how we learn better is by turning off our mouth and opening our ears. <laughs> and that's to bo to all the peoples, not just me as an old person. LOL. Older person. But I think, you know, remember, just because you listen to somebody else's opinion from another side of a generation doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. You can take what works. And leave the rest. Yeah. So that was our episode today about the generation gap and randomly a very hot button issue between generations, which is how to use honorifics. Um, please let us know what you think. Um, if you would rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to us. Um, I, I know that we're always, what is this called? Like peddling for this or like asking for this. But the reason we yeah, do it. They say we're supposed to do it. The reason we do it is because it's the single most powerful way for you to boost our signal. And we really want our voices to be out there. We really want to be able to have more of these conversations. We think that the community needs access to this kind of stuff. And we hope that what we're doing inspires other people to have these conversations, even on their own podcasts or their own channels or just in person. Um, 
nothing can hurt from talking with each other. It, it, it can only help. So please, um, if you liked this and you thought, thought it was valuable, consider leaving us a review. Um, and follow us on all of our stuff. We have lots of stuff. You can find us at K is for Kinky on almost every social media platform. Yep. And uh, join our Discord. It's fun. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Bye.